we're back. You're on Here's the Deal with your host, John Forbes. It's Sunday, August 9th, and you're on Canada's one and only drag racing podcast. Big shout out to our sponsors, Scott's Performance Diesel, ProTech Racing, Performance Unlimited, RM Racing Lubricants, Warlock Transmissions, MC Tire and Auto, and Lentech Automatics. Big thanks to those guys. Without those guys, we couldn't put on any races or do what we love to do. Today, we got an awesome guest for you guys. We got Mr. Rick Tovey, driver of the gold car, driver of the red car, driver of anything you put him in. Um, it's going to be a good podcast. We've been meaning to do this here for a few weeks, but um, just kind of been behind the ball. So we always start the podcast with a song. This was a request of Mr. Tovey, so I hope you enjoy. <laughs> This one might break the internet. We got a lot to talk about today. Hey, do we got you there, Rick? Hey, how are you? Good, man. How are you doing? Not too bad. Good, man. Thanks a lot for doing the show here and taking some of your time to do this. Hey, no problem, man. Just a typical Sunday night here in Otterville. <laughs> so what's going on there? You're down at uh, St. Thomas this weekend, you said? Yeah, we were down running uh, the point series there at St. Thomas Raceway Park. Uh, me and Dad went down there with my uh, red car. Our big tire bracket car and yep. yeah we uh put a little bit of work in but at the end of the day couldn't pick up that w yesterday uh dad went three or four rounds in mod and i went three rounds in top et and uh yeah, it's just the way it goes some days yeah for sure man but cars are working good besides that uh yeah the chevelle and uh the red mustang are they seem to be just ticking away yeah, man, I, I seen something on Facebook there. You, you had a problem with your other motor, right? It looked like somehow a little screw got down in there. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, amongst the uh, rushing that we did to get the gold car back together for Ian Hill series oh, uh, yeah. last race at St. Thomas, uh, we thrashed on that. The motor was sitting on the shop floor Monday night at 530. Wow. You know, thrashed on it Tuesday, thrashed on it Wednesday, got it fired late Wednesday night quickly. Uh, <clears throat> both of us went home, kind of relaxed the mind, collect ourselves, went back at it Thursday night. Uh, my good buddy Matt Constable come down and uh, he helped us go through all the nitrous settings and everything and, you know, <clears throat> went through it all, checked timing, made sure everything was good before we loaded it. Put some of that good maximum oil in it. Nice. And, uh, yeah, we toured down there Friday for testing. Took the day off from work and made five. I think we made five passes on it. Uh, started out with a motor hit. Just check everything out, make sure it was good. And then we started throwing the nitrous to it. And, unfortunately, we couldn't get down the track with the setup that we had. The track was pretty hot and greasy during the middle of that uh, daytime test session. So, it, uh, it finally started to come around by the fourth, fifth pass. Started getting into the 560, 570 range, thinking we were going to, you know, finally end up doing something there on the sixth pass. And uh, we fired it up in the pits, and it just started <clears> making <throat> one hell of a noise. Couldn't figure it out for the life of us. And uh, just got to the point where it was like, you know what, we're not going to work on this uh, at the track. Uh, let's just load it up. I'll take it home and swap cars and uh brought back the red mustang and just left the gold car at home for the weekend and uh we came home sunday night decided that we were going to tear it apart monday night and by 10 o'clock monday night we had the motor on the engine stand and the heads off of it and sure enough 
That's uh, when we found the screw sitting in number five cylinder. Yeah, I seen that picture there on Facebook, man. Fuck, that sucks. After all that work, and you were making passes, and the motor was working fine, and then after that break there, you went back, and something was fucked up, eh? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it, it. I don't know when it would have got in there. It definitely came from uh, the cowling that covers the uh, opening for the windshield wipers in front of the windshield on those Mustangs. Okay, yep. So, um, amongst all the uh, thrashing and the rushing, uh, couldn't find the inserts and the proper screws. So, you know, <clears throat> being a small town country boy like myself, that would be a good <laughs> idea to put a uh, hex-headed self-tapping screw in there just to kind of get us through for the weekend. Yeah. And uh, ended up biting us in the ass. So, yeah, like I say, you know, shit like that happens. And it turned out it was better that we just kind of left it and not fucked with it and just kind of saved it for another day and we got lucky it didn't uh didn't hurt any of the valves it it beat up the piston but it stayed off the cylinder walls so we got lucky that way okay awesome man all right so so for everybody listening here that doesn't really know who you are well what's the rick tovey story how, how long have you been doing this what have you been driving i think most people know you for the gold car of course but let, let's start from day one uh, day one would have been November 18th, 1991, the day I was born. <laughs> um, you know, uh, all this goes back, you know, to when <clears throat> my dad started drag racing in the late seventies. And then, you know, he always had kind of like some fast street car stuff throughout the eighties. And, mm-hmm. um, he had a, uh, 70 Chevelle big block, uh, 87 88 and then uh he sold that and him and his buddy uh went down and picked up which not so many of the uh heads up guys would know but a lot of our uh friends in the bracket racing arena would remember would be the silver uh 68 nova that had it painted silver had uh toby racing on the side of it okay sweet he got uh, he got pretty serious with that car in 1990, at, <clears throat> which was at that at that point uh, London Motorsports Park. He was the sportsman champion for 1990. Oh wow! And uh, like I say, I was born in '91, so I mean, I I remember growing up having that car, sitting in the garage, and him working away on it, and. You know, going to the track here and there. There's there's a few little things that I remember, and then uh, Can Am Nationals, which would have been uh, the John Force weekends. Yeah, I believe 1993. Yeah, 93, 94, right? Yeah, and then there was like 96, 97, and I think 97 was the last year he come. But anyhow, yeah, the uh, 93 year going through the top end, he blew the motor up that was in that car and uh he decided to take some time off of racing to raise me kind of get some uh some things figured out and... yeah for sure kids will do that eh oh yeah absolutely. <laughs> you know like i uh it's not like we we walked away from it we still went to the track and you know grand bend st thomas watched all the fast street car stuff uh-huh uh, you know, just just still staying in the scene kind of thing. And during that time, he was redoing the Nova, uh, put a uh, put a cage in it and painted it back to its original color, Grecian green. And um, by that time, I think we're stepping into like 2001, 2002. He was at work one day and he was talking to a bunch of guys saying that he was going to look at buying another 70 Chevelle up in Toronto. And uh, one of the guys you worked with, Rick Burkane, turned around and said, oh, why don't you buy my car? And uh, dad goes, well, he goes, I don't really want your car. Well, that car turned out to be the Blue Chevelle. Oh, wow. So so that's the car that he still drives now. That is how he got the 68 Chevelle. That's sweet. Which he still has to this day. It's been a race car ever since he bought it. He sold the Nova to a good friend of his that still races it to this day. It's uh, 
uh, races with the K&M stock super stock. And, uh, yeah. So anyways, we started racing the 68 Chevelle in back then it was the 12 O index class of the OSCA. And he ended up winning the 2004 12 O championship over, <clears throat> I think it was Howard Cox, which was just a great battle. Uh, right down to the end, I think he ended up winning it uh, one round shy of what Howard needed to take the championship lead over him. Oh wow! So super close right to the end. Oh, it was it was great. <clears throat> Those were the days where you had you know twenty to thirty twelve O cars, uh, really really good field of cars there, and like the caliber of competition was second to none. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we uh, we did that for a lot of years and. You know, I kind of grew up in the OSCA streetcar, fast streetcar scene. And fast forward to being 15 years old, we were at St. Thomas on a holiday Monday, which would be the August long weekend. Yeah. Uh, Dad came back after making a pass and he said, get in. He said, I'm going to start grooming you. So at that point, the Chevelle didn't have a tranny brake in it. It was still a foot brake car. Okay. And uh, I scared the, the ever-living shit out of myself. <laughs> so, sorry, what was that? The Chevelle that he told you to hop in? Yeah. Okay, yeah. awesome, that, man. Yeah, that would have been 2007. <clears throat> so, then back yep. in 2007, when you hopped in that car when you were 15, what, what kind of a time was that car running back then? Back then, it was like 1170s, 1180s at like 115, 16 mile an hour. Oh, holy shit, man. If I'm being honest, that'd probably scare me still today. So mm-hmm. <laughs> so I did two passes at St. Thomas. Uh, never clicked it into second gear. Just kind of got the feel for it. And then the weekend after, we were in Grand Bend for an OSCA points event. And uh, at that time, they were start they were kind of trying a thing where like qualifying didn't start till three and uh there was a kind of like an open test in tune okay uh, in the early afternoon so dad said well get in the car and make a couple of passes on my first full pass i went 1187 at 116 mile an hour wow and that was my third pass in the car no burnout just roll in clean the tire off stage it that's crazy And it was at that point in time where I realized that this is what I wanted to do. For sure. Yeah. So then after that, you know, dad kind of always drove. I just kind of drove here and there whenever the time fit. And I did that for a couple of years. We had some good success. I won a couple of races here and there. Fast forward to 2000 and I want to say 15 uh, my good friend growing up mike swartz him and his dad raced the race outlaws snowmobiles okay yep you're telling me about that that's a, that's pretty badass man yeah so uh they're single turbo four stroke yamaha apexes and at that time uh there really wasn't a class in canada to run them so they're just kind of r&ding some stuff and then uh the USDRA, the Outlaw Snowmobile Drag Racing Association, started up in uh, relations with the Mile and Friday Night Heads Up Shootout. Okay. So we built both sleds to go down <clears throat> there and compete in the Outlaw Sled class at Milan on Friday nights. So I did that for four years, and uh, my sled was it was never really competitive. I mean, on a good day, yeah, it could bite somebody in the ass if they weren't on their game mm-hmm. but it was basically just leftover parts from michael's sled and then everything else was all home built like we fabricated all the suspension uh anything to do with the motor uh the turbo piping yeah we we did all that with uh, michael's dad doug's super supervision and the, the guys were just a genius with that stuff so it ended up uh with that sled, we went on a 491 at 144 mile an hour in the eighth. No shit. Wow, man. That's cooking. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. fast, man. It was it was <clears throat> really fast. And like 113, 60 foot. Um, 
so back then, yeah, like I was 22, 23 years old. And, you know, I just thought that was a cat's ass. For sure, man. And that, and that seems like a really good introduction to to drag racing, right? I mean, that that's cooking going that fast in the eights. So it was, uh, it was definitely an eye opener as to what you needed to bring to the table to compete with the Americans mm-hmm. on a, uh, on a <clears throat> tight budget level, if, uh, if you will, it, uh, it's definitely a different ball game when you go that side of the pond compared to up here. But, you know, up here, I mean, just this year alone, like you can see the competitiveness of everybody uh, within the outlaw drag racing scene. Like everybody's really stepped it up and, you know, a lot of people are starting to focus more now on what's going on here at home more than crossing the bridge to go stateside. For sure, man. And I, I guess that's one of my biggest goals, man. Like um, Ian Hill's putting on awesome races. We're getting more and more races every year. And uh, the payouts are getting bigger. So it's pretty sweet to see some of this energy stay in Canada and the races get bigger and bigger. Oh, absolutely. And a lot of the uh, businesses and not only the businesses, but the racers themselves are, you know, stepping up and kicking a little bit of money into the pot you know, for uh, not only your events, but Ian's events and uh, quite a few of the uh, the bracket series, you know, they're putting their money back here, which is good to see. For sure, man. For sure. Yeah. yeah so after the whole snowmobiling uh, thing kind of dried up, I decided that I was going to build my own car and I wanted to do this on my own and, uh, with the help of my dad, obviously, we uh, we bought the red Mustang from uh, my good friend. Everybody knows him, Chris Van Balen. Oh, of course. <clears throat> uh, ended up being probably one of the best purchases that we've made. That car has been nothing but consistent for us this whole season. In the beginning, it was a bit of a struggle. Uh, brand new went out May 2-4 weekend at Cayuga the day before me and Chris hauled all the way to Namidia, Pennsylvania and got rained out so we we quickly hauled back and went to Cayuga the next day and on the third burnout the uh, the weight broke off of the brand new flex plate that I'd bought oh shit uh, it cracked the back of the block bent the crankshaft 15 thou and uh, destroyed the block so it kind of sat stuffed away for the summer and then uh, slowly but surely I put together another motor to uh, run in it. It was never really anything special. Went 1090s, 110s, but I was still able to race the car. So anyways, we bought the gold car middle of that summer. So quickly our attention was transferred to that car. For sure. And there were reasons why the gold car was bought. We wanted to make a statement and we always said, you know, if somebody that was a bracket racer that had good connections, bought a good car that would just be turnkey competitive, somebody could do some real damage within the outlaw streetcar scene. For sure, man. You you guys are always out there treeing people. Yeah, and you know, we just we aligned ourselves with all the right people at that time when we got the gold car. I mean, you know, we hooked up with Phil Sampson of uh, Cheapside Auto Care. Okay, yep, cool dude. Yeah, oh, wicked dude. Couldn't ask for a better person to be there for us. He he went over the nitrous system with us, supplied us nitrous. Uh, he was. Uh, who's a sponsor of ours still is. And, uh, you know, whenever we could offer anything in return, he was always, no, don't worry about it. You know, so great guy went above and beyond. For sure. Just down for the cause. They just loved racing. He just, yeah, he, he did everything. So we, he come on board and he helped us figure the tune up out on the car. And, uh, we got that car running pretty consistent and, Jay Meisner, another 
good friend of ours. He uh, he helped us out whenever he could, along with Barry Trapp of Performance Unlimited. Oh, yeah, great dude. Another great guy, yep. And uh, our engine builder, uh, Bill Little, and uh, John Hutchison of Hutch Transmissions. He, uh, you know, we aligned ourselves with all those good people. And, I mean, you've seen the performance that that car produced and the outcome of it all. We had the most success consistently and weekend after weekend. I was just going to say that that car is so consistent. Eh? It goes A to B all the time. It's never broken. No, no. It Last year, I mean, shit, I wouldn't have wanted to line up against that car if I was the competitor in the other lane. Yeah. E- even in that race where you race Wadgie at our race, man, I couldn't believe you treat him hard and you had, you had him out for a bit. And then obviously the power of his car came around you, but sweet race, super cool to see that happen. Yeah. And I think if uh, that oil down had to happen. Yeah. There, while the sun was still out on that track, I think we would have had a better chance, but you know, Wadgie and those boys over there, Mac Lasford, Mike Ski, uh, uh, Basem and uh, uh, shit. Who else is linked up with him? Uh, anyhow, yeah, you know those boys. They know how to run a race, and you know Waji's a great guy. And you know, at the end of the day, he won it mm-hmm. and took home the money. And you know, after that event, you know we 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 became really good friends with Waji. Oh, that's so, awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, out of you know just a simple little race weekend, we got real close with a lot of those guys, and. Uh, I think it opened up some eyes to how me and my dad race. Yeah, man. And that's something that I wanted to touch to, man. That's one of my favorite things about you guys is uh, the relationship you have with your dad, man. Like it must be cool going out every weekend racing with him, having a good relationship with him. So we'll talk a a little bit about what that means to you. Oh man. You know, there's a lot of people within the racing industry within, you know, southern ontario that you know they they do it with their buddies or they do it you know amongst uh close friends kind of thing Mm -hmm. there's a few of us that you know are able and are very lucky to do it with our dad and uh the fact that i get to race with my dad every weekend is basically the world to me man that's why i still do it to see my dad my 65 year old father Mm mm-hmm either in my car or in his car going out there cracking motherfuckers for sure man it puts the biggest smile on my face and then you know also in the same token when i'm driving the gold car and my old man behind it you know that puts the biggest smile on his face because at the end of the day you know that's that's our hard work i mean we don't pay people to work on our shit mm-hmm. oh man we we do all our own work when it comes down to the putting that that car together you're doing the maintenance on it it's just me and him you know so i mean he's getting a little bit older i'm getting a little bit older we work out of a one bay garage uh, on jack stands no hoist you know it it gets harder every year but oh yeah i wouldn't want to be doing it any, any other way like we do it the hard way and you know what like yeah, it might take us a couple of days longer than some people, but mm-hmm. we still get the job done. And, you know, our, our, our performances show on the racetrack. I mean, me and my old man, you know, we always said, if we're going to show up to a race, we're going to show up to win. For sure. Uh, we won't be embarrassed, right? Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, yeah, you know what, man? I'm pretty grateful for what I got and the fact that, you know, People, they know my dad as a uh, nice guy. He's a nice guy. Eh? Like, mm-hmm. my old man, you can talk to him, and everybody loves my dad. Yeah, super nice guy, man. It, it always makes me so happy when I'm out at the track and I see you guys out together, and I see the old boy just treeing somebody and gapping them. Or, man, it, it makes me excited too, man. So, oh, dude, it's ever, you know, and like, you know, he's, he, he, he's still got it, right? But, uh, yeah, for sure. He's still out there putting in work, turning wrenches and kicking ass, oh, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I say, like we were out at St. Thomas this weekend and uh, he drove my red car and he's number one in mod there after, I think, five races. Oh, that's badass. First, you know, and then with that being said, he's also 
I think he's number two now. He was number one, but he's number two in Grand Bend in the uh, CSN Collision Open Comp. Okay, yeah, you, you guys were bracket racing there when we were doing our little no prep, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's number two up there in Open Comp, and I'm sitting number two in Top ET. I was number one, but, uh, you know, middle of the summer here, I'm kind of losing it and I'm, had a bunch of first round exits to uh, Ed, great racer up in Grand Bend, but uh, I'm still like ten points behind him. So I mean, we got two weekends left up there. So uh, the next weekend, the next weekend is uh, the final points for Open Comp. So GT's got to do a little bit of work to get himself back into the number one position up there to get that championship. And uh, I got two weekends to somehow claw my way back into number one but you know man it's 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 tough when you're doing it on my budget compared to you know guys that got stacker trailers oh for sure man for sure all the big bracket racing items i show up with my old clapped out 50 gear on an open car trailer yeah man sometimes i'm amazed when i look around at the track and i think fuck man like i I only paid seventy five thousand for my house man these guys have Fucking rig setups worth way more than my house. Oh, absolutely, dude. Absolutely, like it's it's it's. Yeah, see, it's so hard to compete with, right? Like you guys are a father and son team, blue collar. You guys work right hard. Um, so it's hard to go out there and 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 beat everybody, right? When they have all that shit. It it is, but uh, a wise man once told me, uh, smarts will always beat money. Mm Hmm. Big money versus little money, little money will win every single time. Yeah. Because you know what? <clears throat> we find the tricks, and we know the tricks. We may not beat them on our bank account, but we'll beat them on our smarts, right? For so. sure, man. You, you guys have been doing this a long, long time. You, you guys got the experience and the know-how. I, I wouldn't say I got the experience, but I definitely – I got a good group of guys on my end of the spectrum, and, you know, they – they, they've they've helped us out a whole lot and you know it's uh it's always good when you can claim a w and look over and see all the people that are standing behind you smiling and going you know it's 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 about damn time yeah for sure P- people that are ge- genuinely happy for you oh absolutely like you know my boys chris van bale and jared Cohn, uh their girlfriends adrian and Brittany, and then uh, matt constable you know, we, uh, that's the snow Mexican race cars. Yeah. That's where that, that's where that comes from. Okay. So, you know, when, uh, when I could turn behind me and look at those guys smiling, you know, that, that, that's the reason I've gotten to where, where I've got. For sure, man. You, you got great people in your corner. Yeah. And then, you know, you turn to the gold car, like I say, you know, we got Phil Sampson on our side and like that man, you know, when it comes to nitrous, he's a bad motherfucker. Mm-hmm. He knows how to make that shit go down the track every single time. So I would consider ourselves, uh, you know, pretty blessed with the friendships that we have with the people that we surround ourselves with. For sure, man. What, what, what's your favorite track out of the three there? Like TMP, St. Thomas and Grand Bend. Well, what do you prefer to race at? Uh, I right now, uh, I would prefer Grand Bend. Uh, number two, like, you know, St. Thomas is that's home to home to us, but, you know, it's uh, it's we haven't been there as much this season as we have up in Grand Bend, and mm-hmm. you know, Paul Freed up there at Grand Bend that uh, that it's always been a top notch facility uh, in my eyes. Yeah, and, for uh, sure. It, it's it's yeah, it's a nice track. Oh, it, it, the surface there is second to none, and what they've done with St. Thomas is just absolutely unbelievable. I mean, yeah, it's uh, give them a couple of years, and I think a lot of people are going to want to, you know, maybe look towards spending that money to go to St. Thomas and race on, you know, say an off weekend from either TMP or Grand Bend, you know, mm-hmm. it's a nice center hub. I don't know why, man. I always say St. Thomas, it always seems like St. Thomas is a special race, man. Everybody loves going out there. Everybody's got a lot of history at that track. Like even me, um, I, I had my after prom there actually with my girlfriend. Like I grew up in St. Thomas there. So we were at the track like every weekend, man. So I was so happy to see all that money go back in the track and the new surface and all the energy coming back there. Oh, absolutely. Like, 
you know, we uh, we we've raced there since since the nineties. So you know, you kind of seen the surface kind of go away over the years. And, oh, for sure, the decline in the track and yeah, it just it got to a point where it kind of seemed like nobody cared, and then you know, God rest his soul, Jay Moore's came in and he he was on the right track to to you know getting it fixed up and then you know the whole money thing come into effect and it's it it, it's a big thing right to go after resurfacing a track like that and then putting up the concrete yeah for sure that that, that's a lot of money and a lot of work oh absolutely and you know what you know the fact that the spreets bought the track and you know they put forth their best best effort to start to clean it up i mean you know it doesn't go unnoticed I mean, I haven't heard one bad thing about that track since the start of the season there. And, you know, I I, I hope uh, a lot of people will start coming back there because, you know, like the very first race that Ian put on there, I mean, Jesus, the place was just absolutely packed. Yep. Like you, you, you couldn't walk anywhere. There's trailers all over the place. I mean, you know, we were hot lapping my car between – my me running top, my dad running mod, and then uh, Jared Cohn racing it in six fifty. I mean, we were hot lapping that fucking thing all all day long, and you know you're trying to get back to the pits, and it's like okay, you're bobbing and weaving through people, and you know you're bobbing through the heads up cars where they were all parked. You know, it was mm-hmm. just, it was crazy. It was good to see that track as full as it was. Yeah, man, Ian's last race was awesome, man. It was packed, such fast cars, high-caliber ca- cars there. Um, well, what did Nick Agostino end up laying down? He, he ended up laying down a lower forecast there, didn't he? Oh, yeah, I think he went like a 440-something, I want to say, maybe even 430. I, I Honestly, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, that's but, wild. It's uh, St. Thomas, and it's only going to get better and better, right? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, and, you know, you got guys like Tony Pontieri showing back up yep. again, and then Adeline Auto Brothers. You know, it was good to see a lot of those old names back there that used to race there all the time in the 90s, right? Yeah, that, that shit makes me really happy, man, because even last year when we were doing our small tire races, like I had messaged so many people and they were kind of iffy about the track surface, especially with the high caliber cars and stuff. Yeah, so. which, you know, you, you, you can't blame them in, uh, in that sense, but, uh, you know, my, my crazy ass, I sent myself down that track on the old surface on the snowmobile. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, I went one eighteen sixty 60 foot and five low five teen out the eighth. And I mean, you know, going through that top end, it got my attention. So, you know, it, I don't blame a lot of people for not wanting to go down it because, you know, we all knew that the right lane, you got those bumps about 80 feet out that would have chattered the tires, upset the suspension. Oh, for sure. It's it's not worth it, right? And, and then, then the shutdown's been bumpy for a while, eh? Oh. Yeah, forever, that must forever, be wicked forever. on the sled. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it wasn't the nicest to it, let's put it that way. But, yeah. you know, they, you still you send yourself <clears> to the surface <throat> that you're racing on. If you can't tune your car to get down that surface, well... Maybe you should go tune something else. No, that's right, man. I agree with that. So no, it's uh, it was growing up there and you know learning how to race there. It wasn't so bad. It turned out okay for sure, man. All right, so on to the next question here. I was going to ask you, so since you've been around drag racing quite a while, what do you think about the state of drag racing right now in Ontario? Because me, when I look around now, um. It's kind of nice to see, like, me and Ian have come together, Steve have come together. Like, it's not so much fighting between promoters and stuff like that. Like, it seems like everybody's getting along. There's lots and lots of races. And to me, I mean, I'm just a young guy, but I don't remember there being more racing than what there is now if there wasn't this COVID season shit going on. The current state of drag racing in southern Ontario. Huh. Well... I think on the outlaw side, I mean, I can't really speak so much because I haven't really uh, ventured into it too much this year. Um, I think the no prep side of it all is uh, it's starting to come together. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it definitely has taken off more this year than in prior years. I mean, you know, I still think all you guys are crazy motherfuckers for going down an unprepped surface, but 
you know, that's just my thoughts. But no, I mean, you know, for the payouts, it's 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 half it's half decent. You know what I mean? It's worth it for, mm-hmm. uh, for those guys. And you know, to walk away with you know from what I think last race you paid out two grand to the winner. <clears throat> yeah. So sorry, we we paid out uh twenty two fifty to uh, the winner of Outlaw there, and I mean, it, he only had to make five passes to get that. Yeah. Yeah, and entry was what a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. So like we we worked it out to be um just like a hundred bucks, and you get like a test and tune for the street class all day. Then we'd start racing at like four or five. For Outlaw, it was two hundred bucks, but then like uh, none of the racers had to pay a gate fee or anything like that. Like you paid your money, you didn't have to pay a gate fee. You got testing all day and then into the race. Oh no, kidding. Okay, well yeah, that, yeah you know like you look at uh, at that cost. I mean shit. To win twenty two fifty, as well worth your time to go five rounds. Yeah, for sure, man. And and we just try to be super fair to the racers. I mean, we, we don't do any of this shit to make money or anything like that. Like I, I just do it because I love it. And it seemed like we didn't really have a ton of that type of racing. And I I fucking love the small tire racing. Like I love when it's a tuners game. And um, like when you came out to our race, like I feel like on paper you were the guy that probably shouldn't have won, but then you got out there and you gapped that pro charge Camaro. Um, fuck you treed wadgy and i mean like you said if the oil down didn't happen in the right lane maybe something else would have happened so i always love to see that style of racing i mean a lot of these guys want to pour a shitload of glue on the track and they want to light the boards on fire with a fast pass but to me i i really like that small tire kind of tuners game i i don't want um a bunch of people to be scared because um that they know people are going to try and lay down like a 450 460 pass at our race you're not going to uh get that type of pass no no exactly right and i i would like to say that i don't think there was one aborted pass by us last year because of a uh poor tuning call i think the only two passes that we aborted a run on were uh <clears throat> the first wheelie that we did, the first giant wheel stand at the final OSO event of the year, we kind of turned it up a little bit yep. too much. And uh, as soon as I let go of that tranny brake, it went right for the sky and, you know, pulled second gear, tried to get the, tried to get the, the uh, throttle blades to close just past the micro switch turning off and on. And uh, that was an aborted pass. And then uh, at, Ian Hill and Wadji's uh, Ontario Grudge Wars race, uh, the second qualifier of uh, Street 275. We were at Lancaster the weekend before for the unfinished business race. And I mean, that track was just complete fucking garbage. You couldn't even get that fucking car off the starting line. It, uh, we ended up loosening the front end off, trying to get it to weight transfer just mm-hmm. to get it past 60 feet and uh, we never changed the setup on it. And then, yeah, like I say, we went to TMP for uh, the Ontario Grudge Wars uh, fall shootout and shit. I remember pulling third gear and looking over and I'm looking at the top of that barrier going, Oh shit, I think I'd better lift. Oh fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, yeah, I think those were the only two aborted runs we had. But yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you get into that no prep game. I mean, it's it's a tuner's race, and you know, I mean, I I wouldn't say that the gold car would be the perfect fit for that kind of style of racing. But I mean, I would I would love to bring my red car out and do that stuff. But I just I can't uh, I can't see uh, myself choosing to go that side rather than bracket race. I mean, at the end of the day, man, you know, I'm a bracket racer. I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm not an outlaw, no prep guy. I don't street race. I'm, uh, I'm Rick Tovey. Um, I run my mouth and <laughs> at the day I choose to go bracket racing. So yeah, I mean, you know, would I love to do it? Absolutely. Do I think we could be competitive in it? Maybe, but at the end of the day, um, uh, I'm not going to risk my shit to go out there. But. No, totally, man. I, I get that. And it, it, it's been a cool eye opener to see some of these snow preps happen and see, um, the people that are winning them. And then like people coming out with a shitload of horsepower and they can't make it down. So it's kind of cool to see the slower car win. but I'm excited to see where this is all going to lead to when these cars are actually making real fast passes down it and the payouts get giant and all that shit. Oh yeah, absolutely. But like, uh, as for everything else, like, you know, I think, 
drag racing in Southern Ontario is just booming right now. I mean, you know, it's, uh, Ian stuff is, is getting bigger and bigger. Um, Matt Glassford and Paul Norris's series down there at TMP, like the easy street, super street series. And then, uh, along with the Ontario street outlaws, I mean, I, I haven't been to an event yet, but I've heard nothing but good things. Um, and then on the bracket side, I mean, geez, you know, you got a lot of guys that usually go down to high dollar races stateside that unfortunately can't do that now. So they're up here. I mean, to win a to win a bracket race up here just on any given points weekend is a struggle. Like you gotta you gotta throw double O's teens down and you gotta go dead on. Wow, and th- and that's because all these guys are staying home and they're not leaving to the states now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. And like you know, it, it's uh, from Cayuga to St. Thomas to Grand Bend. I mean, I, I, I would have to say Grand Bend's probably got the best uh, caliber of competition right now. If uh, if you win a race in, you know, Super Pro or Modified ET, like, you know, it's uh, it's definitely uh, something to something to pat yourself on the back for. Cause I mean, you know, there's a lot of killer racers out there right now that <clears throat> I could, you know, do damage any given day of the week. For sure, man. And I, I couldn't imagine winning with your old man there too. That, that must be so cool after all the work you guys put in to get to the winner's circle and get that W and, and make it all oh, worth it. You know, that, uh, that was my very first win in uh top ET with my car. I mean, you know, I, uh, this is my first year, really going competitive in the electronic bracket racing. Like I, uh, I never really used a delay box before. And, you know, it's, uh, that, that whole level of competition is something to speak about. It's, uh, it's definitely, you got to be consistent. You got to do the same thing every single time you put that helmet on and wheel into the burnout box. I mean, you got to be consistent and that's the name of the game with the electronics racing. And, you know, the fact that I got to share the winner's circle with my old man, uh, that same night, it was like, I don't know, like 10 o'clock that night that we ran the finals. And, uh, you know, my daddy's retired. So, I mean, he had to take his time. But, like, you know, I had to load up and go home mm-hmm. just so I could go back to work the next day. I mean, I don't think I got home till about one thirty that morning. And then, like, you know, poor GT, he texts me. He's like, yeah, I'm uh, just outside of St. Mary's on the side of the road with a blowing trailer tire. Oh, no That's, way. You know. The poor guy didn't get home till two thirty or three o'clock that morning. Shit. So it uh it it takes a lot for, for us to do it, but you know what? The pay the payoff is worth it. Especially when you get to do cool shit like that with your old man. For sure, man. That's stuff that you that, that you guys are gonna remember forever. Oh yeah. Yeah. The the money and the trophy, you know, the money goes, the trophy stays, but those pitchers speak a thousand words. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. All right, so on to the next question here. So what's the future for the gold car going to be? I know that you guys heard it. Is it something that you guys think you're going to fix and get back out? Yeah, so like right now, uh, the cylinder head and the uh, the piston that it hurt, it's all, it's all fixed up. And uh, right now, the only thing that's holding us back from uh, putting the motor back together is uh, we're having a hard time finding uh, head gaskets for it. Um, we thought we had a lead on some and they would be in, I think it was last week and they never showed up. So, I mean, we're kind of uh, at a standstill until we can get those. So, uh, we got a couple of guys that have offered up, uh, a set here and there, but, uh, it's just a matter of getting them right. And hopefully something turns up here, but it definitely, won't be together for Ian Hill's next race. I don't think I don't, I, I can't see us rushing again to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Especially, especially after what happened, right. I mean, t- take your time. And you guys have yeah. the red car and the Chevelle out anyways, you can race, right? Yeah. So we, uh, we, we'll, we'll, we'll put it back together. Uh, it'll be probably, you know, something that we focus on more towards the tail end of the season. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think for the future of the gold car, um, who knows? I mean, we kind of thought about selling it there last year uh, or 
I guess I should say earlier this year, um, just, you know, money keeps getting tighter and tighter and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not easy to keep doing stuff like this, especially when you're trying to run three competitive race cars. No, for sure. God, not, none of us are millionaires here. Well, well, at least me and you aren't for sure, but no, no, not at all. Like my fucking hand only goes about a quarter away into my pocket and yeah, I might consider myself a Dutchman cause I'm so goddamn cheap. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying for sure. Oh, so, so I that mean, car last year though, that that car raced uh, what, what like 550 index or? Yeah, so we ran uh, 550 index within the uh, Canada Heads Up series. Uh, we ventured to Empire, New York, uh, to go run uh, the Empire Outlaw series, and both times we went down there i mean shit the first race we showed up at we qualified number four or number three out of 15 cars oh fuck yeah going to the semifinals and the second time we showed up there uh we qualified number two and ended up going to the finals but unfortunately uh we got rained out so i mean we had really good success stateside with it and then uh Coming back to Canada, uh, we ended up losing the championship to Michael Silva and the PSP boys by, I think it was three points uh, in the Street 275 class. But it wasn't for lack of effort by any means. I mean, you know, we uh, we put new set of slicks on the car that week, and it took probably four or five passes before they finally got broken, and then... By the time we got down to the, I want to say semifinals, they finally started to go around, and I had to set the record at the time, and I had to win the event to take over the points championship for Michael. And uh, unfortunately, the record was a five fifty one with a five, and in the semifinals, I came up short with a five fifty two with a two. Oh wow, so close, eh? Yeah, and then the week following we were uh going over the car doing our maintenance thing popped open the trunk and we'd forgotten that we put 30 pounds of weight oh no in the car to slow us down when we were down at lancaster so you know i mean yeah we uh we were right there but at the same time you know things kind of get away from you when you're in the heat of the moment for sure, man. You can't be perfect every time. Mm-mm. But I'm sure you, you know, I'm sure either way you had fun with the old man and it was a great day of racing. So, oh, it, it absolutely was. And then, you know, at the end of the year, we ended up walking away with the uh, OSO's uh, precious little crown. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Stating that we were the uh, the top of the top of the leaderboard on the outlaw list. So, I mean, you know, it was all worth it. We uh now, how, how does that work? Was that for a certain area code? Yeah, so last year it was the 519 and the 905 list. So the top two at the end of the day at the last event, which was myself and Jason White, yep, ran off for uh, the fastest streetcar. Uh, crown plus you got the championship jacket and that's and, just a heads up race between you and him yeah it was a heads up race and like unfortunately uh jason backfired at the hit and uh we weren't able to to race it out but uh you know it uh it would have been a, a a really good drag race i mean me and jason white last year we had a couple of good races uh no matter where we were i mean you know, we raced each other a few times in Street 275. He cracked my ass at the SmackDown first round. I tried whomping on him, which, you know, with a nitrous car isn't a good idea <laughs> at all. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. he have like a 572 in that Nova? He's got a pretty big motor, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's got a really big motor. I, I can't say exactly what it is, but yeah. No, now, now no. did that motor come from Johnny Quick? No, I think that motor came from uh, my good buddy Matt Constable's dad, Gino. It was uh, it was out of their dragster. Oh, okay, wow. Gino and his son Nick campaigned there for a little while. I'm pretty sure that's where that motor come from, but uh, don't quote me on that. That's uh, 
that's something Jason can uh, probably answer for you. Yeah, it's all super secret stuff, eh? So, yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it is, but you know, with us, it there's no secrets to it. We just got a bunch of clapped out shit that shouldn't be doing what it's doing, and at the end of the day, you know, we make it work for sure, man. Absolutely. All right, man. So I don't want to take up too much of your time here. I really appreciate you doing this, but we like to close it out with five quick questions here. Kind of funny, stupid questions. So are you ready? Sure. All right. Shaved or hairy? Shaved. All right. Good. Uh, Favorite power adder? Nitrous for sure. Okay. What was your first car that you ever owned? Not, Not race car, like daily driver, first car you had, period. 2002 Pontiac Sunfire, five-speed, 2.2 liters. Oh, shit, Fuck, that bitch was a race car, man. It's got a fucking standard. Oh, buddy, that thing got me everywhere. Good gas mileage, and it would just fucking squeal the tire. Fucking right. Um, I think I know the answer to this one, but I'm going to ask you anyways. Biggest influence? Uh, my biggest influence would definitely be my father. Okay, I thought so. Now, now this is kind of a funny one here. You got to fuck one, kill one, marry one. Cardi B, Rihanna, Taylor Swift. I definitely fuck Rihanna. <laughs> I would kill Cardi B. Yeah, that's a good I call. Would, I would marry Taylor Swift because I want a fucking song after. <laughs> I think I'd do the same thing, man. I really appreciate you coming on. We're gonna end it off with a little song here, and then I'm gonna let you go. All right, thanks, brother. A little bit of Blink-182 for everybody. I took her out. It was a Friday night. I walk alone to get the feeling right. We started making out. And she took out my pants. But then I turned on the TV. And that's about the time she walked away from me. I think we'll be coming back here next week with Mr. Mike Graham and Alex, the Beards. All right, man. Thanks again, Rick. I hope you guys have a good night. Uh, Tell the old boy I said hi. Absolutely, man. Thanks for everything, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, man. You guys have a good night. Yeah, take care.